Hey everyone, this is the Covenant Courses Podcast. My name's Weston Brown, and you're listening to my interview with author Brad Briscoe about his book, Missional Essentials. And today we're going to be exploring lesson two of this book. This lesson's called His Way, Incarnational Ministry. And as you may have guessed, we're going to be talking about the incarnation of Jesus, the single greatest event in human history that God became a man. Uh, It is both incredible and mysterious at the same time. And we're going to be talking about the incarnation today um, in some ways that maybe you haven't before, some perspectives that you haven't considered before. Particularly, how does the incarnation of Christ serve as a model for how we should live towards those around us. So let's go ahead and get into today's episode and uh, into my interview with Brad Briscoe. Let's move into chapter two and begin walking through this idea of incarnational living. Um, We know what the incarnation is, right? That the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that Jesus incarnated in human form. What do you mean when you say that we as a people should be living incarnationally? Yeah, so normally I'll say, because I think the first paradigm shift about being a sent missionary people and then the second one, incarnational mission, I, I often say this is really two sides of the same coin. So it's it's crucial that we understand individually and collectively we're a sent missionary people, but that doesn't go far enough. I mean, it's great that we see that we're sent But if that's all you do, we're missing something. So with this second paradigm shift, not only do we need to see that we're a sent missionary people, but then we need to embed our lives and the gospel into a local context. So I just think the way that we this is shaped or formed is around the incarnation of Jesus. So we need to allow the incarnation of Jesus to really inform the way we think of mission. So mission, as we said earlier, isn't just to foreign fields or far off places but it's where God has already sent us. The other thing I think, and let's come back to unpacking that a little bit, but the other thing I think is sometimes when we talk about being a missionary people, it's easy for us sometimes to think, well, I wonder where God's going to send me. And I want to say, no, you've already been sent. You live where you live for a purpose. You work where you work for a purpose. You hang out in the social spaces. You hang out for a purpose. So you've already been sent. Now you need to embed or inhabit or incarnate into that place that God has sent you. So I love you mentioned, you know, English translation of of John chapter one, verse 14. uh, It talks about how Jesus came to dwell among us or tabernacle with us. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this in the message, where in John chapter one, verse 14, he renders that verse like this. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Hmm. Well, I think that's a beautiful New Testament picture of incarnational mission that as Jesus lives in us and through us, we, in a very real sense, we move in. We move in, we put down roots, we stay. And I said this earlier, we take responsibility for our neighborhoods. We take responsibility for the places God has sent us. And I really think it's interesting. Um, I, I often wonder, why, why, why haven't we done this? I mean, why, as a church, why have we always kind of focused on mission foreign lands or far off places rather than local. And I'm telling you, I, I'm just convinced it it goes back partially to kind of a reduced view of the gospel, or sometimes I'll use the word Christology and all Christology means it's just the, the person, you know, it's about the person and work of Jesus. Right. But I think a lot of times if you ask people, well, what is Christology? 
the one thing they focus in on is the cross. It's like, well, Christology, it's about the, the, the person of Jesus and the work that Jesus did on the cross. So it's about really theories of atonement. Like how do we apply Jesus' atoning work on the cross to our own lives? And that's all good, right? Not, I mean, that's more than good. Yeah. But I think we've reduced Christology down to just the cross. And because of that, we've gotten away with allowing the incarnation to inform the way we think of mission. Because I would argue that when we think of Christology, of, of course it includes the cross, but I think it includes the whole story of Jesus. I mean, it ought to include the incarnation. It ought to include all the life and teachings of Jesus. Of course, it, it should include the cross, but it should also include uh, the ascension and Pentecost and the second coming. But I think all these different aspects of the life and teachings of Jesus should inform the way we think of mission. Well, when we do that with the incarnation, we start to think, well, wait a minute, just as Jesus incarnated and kind of like you might say dropped into the muck and mire of us, we need to do the same with the people around us that like we need to become a friend of sinners. Um, you know, Jesus was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. Well, was Jesus a drunkard or a glutton? No, of course not. But why was he accused of that? It was, he was accused of that because he hung out with drunkards and gluttons. So it's like, why do we think Jesus came to be with us, to be among us? Why do we think that we ought to keep lost people at an arm's length? Well, I think in part is because we haven't allowed the incarnation of Jesus to inform the way we think of mission, that that we ought to really, we act, ought to actually be following Jesus into his mission. But uh, but we just haven't done that very well in the past. And, I, and that's why I think this is a paradigm shift, that we need to think of mission, not just overseas, but what does mission look like in my own context where God has already sent me? That is such an interesting, and I don't know that I've really thought about it in those terms, just that idea of why why are we more inclined to see mission as being somewhere else? And, and I'm thinking about the fact that um, there is this idea that America is a Christian nation, and I know we're going to get into that in more depth in a, in a later lesson. So, that, so there's that swirling around, but I'm also just thinking back to my childhood growing up in a denomination that would have called some places in America reached and other places unreached. Um, and particularly here in the South, where I've always lived and in Texas, this is an area that for my whole lifetime and beyond has been quote unquote reached. And, and yet when you actually interact with people, um, it becomes clear quickly that this is not a place that is largely reached that that even even if a quarter of the population of our city wanted to suddenly show up at church on a sunday morning there would not be enough churches right um and and yet we live in this culture where it is still at least here in the south in this city it is still uh socially expeditious for you to be identified as a christian or with a church um, and I realize there are other places in our country that where that's not the case at all. It's quite the opposite. Um, but yeah, I'm just thinking about even that language that I was given as a kid, that there are some places here in America that are reached, particularly this area we live in, and then there are all those other people out there. Um, and so the people who need Jesus are always somewhere else. And isn't that convenient, right? <laughs> like it, it does seem to like relieve us of some responsibility if it feels like, oh, they're not around me, they're off somewhere else and I'm not going there. 
Yeah, and it, it, like you said, it just takes the responsibility off. It's so easy to go over there and mm-hmm. and share and then come back to our safe religious enclave rather than mm-hmm. recognize that no, everywhere we go, God is already at work and, and he has sent us here for a purpose. So yeah, I do think that's part of it is it kind of relieves a, re- a little bit of the responsibility we have and it's easier to go someplace else, leave them there and come back. But that's I- exactly why I think we need to have a paradigm shift around the way we think of mission and incarnation. the incarnation needs to inform that. I, I wanna come back to that idea that uh, you've already been sent uh, and and the place where you are is the place where God has sent you. I, th- I think that's a challenging concept because uh, many of us may feel like, yeah, but I, I haven't, I don't know that I feel like I've heard from the Lord or made some sort of conscious decision to be in the place where I am. So, so it's almost like you're describing more of an awakening than some sort of response where, where God has spoken to me or led me in some way and now I have to respond in obedience it's it's like I have to awaken to where he has put me already and figure out how to be obedient to him in that situation am, am I am I tracking with you there is that kind of what you're saying yeah I love that language uh Weston I love it uh awaken and I that's I think that's a, a great picture of of where most people probably are is you know we're just kind of going through the motions and we don't recognize that God is actively involved in the lives of people around us everywhere we go but we're just not in tune we're just we haven't been awakened we're not paying attention we we aren't noticing and that's and again I'll just kind of lean in just a little bit to the the next lesson uh, where I talk about how we need to discover and discern. We need to discover what is God already doing around us, which means that we we need to become great observers. We need to be paying attention. And then we need to discern how does he want us to lean into that. But I think your word awaken kind of summarizes those two together. So yeah, I think absolutely. And once again, it kind of goes back to the comment you made earlier. It's like, well, what do what do we do as a church? How do we equip people to think and act like missionaries? And this is another component. We need to help them be in tune with what the spirit is doing in the lives of people around us and we just don't walk through our day that like that Mm. so i think that would be an excellent um you know equipping to for the people in the church is how how can they be more aware and be more present in where whatever spot that they're in um because god is absolutely working in the lives of people around us we we, we're just missing it we're just not paying attention Uh, there are two big words that pop up in this chapter, and, and those are proximity and presence. You just mentioned presence a little bit. I think probably in general, we understand what that is, uh, that, that I need to be with people and available to people, and that, that that is part of the incarnational example of Christ. But talk to talk to us about this proximity piece, because it seems to me that just in American culture in the 21st century, we live uh, these very sort of individualistic lives that are often very separate, even from people who might live 20 feet away from us. Mm. So so how what do you mean by proximity? Is that again, is that just about awakening to where we are? Um, or are there situations where maybe we need to make some sort of a change to where we live so as to be more proximate? Yeah, that's great. Uh, no, I think there are there probably will be times for some people that they need to make a change. They they need to say, no, I can't. You know, a little phrase I use all the time is I say, you we cannot love and serve the people God has sent us to from a distance. Hmm. So if we say, man, God has sent me to love on 
this people group or the people, you know, whatever kind of uh, mission initiative, you just can't do that from a distance. So it might actually involve a change where we have to move closer. We have to be in closer proximity because we cannot love and serve people unless we're in close proximity. Uh, but then a lot of times, you know, I'll talk about close proximity uh, and then I'll move into presence is to say, yes, we need to be in close proximity, but even that's not enough. Then we we actually need to do life with people. I mean, Emmanuel, God with us, right? goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Jesus dropped into our muck and mire. He took on human flesh. So why on earth do we think we can keep people at an arm's distance? So it's funny with this word with, it reminded me uh, a friend of mine years ago, I remember giving a talk and she talked about these three different prepositions that we use sometimes as it relates to mission and ministry. And she said, the first one is two. She says, a lot of times we in the church, we do ministry or mission to people. And when we do that, it elevates us way above them. So we're kind of like, we're, we're doing mission or ministry down to them. She said a little bit better than the word two is the word four. So sometimes we do mission and ministry for people. Well, that's a little bit better than two, but it still puts us in a place of, of power. And so we're doing ministry for them. But I remember she said, we need to get to the point to where we do ministry with people. And, and really, there's a whole posture change here, right? It's even like with the poor. We need to recognize that we don't just have something to give to the poor, but the poor has something to give to us. Just like anyone we do mission and ministry with, there's something there we need to learn. There's something there we need to gain from them. So we're not just doing something to them or for them, but we're doing something with them. Well, I think for me, that helps to unpack that that language of, of presence, that we actually need to be present with people. And, and when we are, um, again, it's informed by the incarnation of Jesus, but we just it just changes the dynamic of, of the way we understand mission, that we're actually doing mission with them in our context, in these places where God's already sent us. Well, man, this is so helpful to me, and I hope it is to you as well. As we get into our next lesson, we're going to begin talking about the mission of God itself, uh, or what Brad calls the Missio Dei. That's the Latin phrase for the mission of God. And so we're going to stop here for today. Hope you guys will join us next time as we get into lesson three of Missional Essentials.